0: Thanks for coming. For those of you that I haven't met yet, my name is Ron Armstrong. I'm a senior pastor here at Cornerstone. I want to welcome you. And I also want to welcome the 1140 service. I apologize that I won't be here to give the sermon live at 1140. There will be a video playing. But as you're watching this, I am on my way to LAX to catch a plane. All right. Let's go ahead and take a look at our sermon notes. If you didn't get sermon notes, raise your hand. They've got notes available for you. We're studying the subject of envy today. And envy is one of those sins that has kind of got downgraded. In other words, people think, well, it's not really that big a deal. We just, well, I shouldn't really feel that way. Wait a second. The Bible talks about it as envy is a a sin that we need to avoid, that we need to flee from. In other words, it's something that's serious. And today we'll talk about why does the Bible treat it so seriously. And to cut to the answer, it's because it's a violent emotion. And what we have here is we have a violent story Whenever you're reading the Old or New Testament, you should ask yourself the question, why is this here? What is this intended to teach me? In other words, what's intended to be taught from this story is not about sacrifices, because that'll be the subject of it. But you need to know it's here because of the impact envy has on relationships. All right, go ahead and take a look inside your notes. I don't think I put the scripture reference there, but I think I'm in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to pick it up at verse number 2. Did any of you read the story of... Uh, East of Eden by John Steinbeck when you were in college. You guys remember reading that? That story is completely derived from this particular chapter, all right? And so if you ever go back and look through that book, Watch Through the Sets of Brothers... One brother's name will always start with a C and the other's brother, other brother will always start with an A for Cain and Abel. I think the first set of brothers were Charles and Adam. And there will even be the mark of Cain that we'll find in this chapter. And so if you ever read the book, just keep in mind it's related to this story. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Why? Because that's the kind of offering he was supposed to bring. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry. His face was angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord, in verse 6, said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is it your face is downcast? If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. Friends, Oftentimes we have the expectation that God will approve of our sin. Cain was supposed to bring an animal sacrifice. That's what he was supposed to do. That was the obedience required. Abel did that. Cain was a farmer, yes, but he could have kept a few animals. Most people in that time did exactly that. Throughout Old Testament history, they would keep animals both for themselves and for sacrifices. He's disobedient and then he's angry because God doesn't smile on his disobedience. But if you do, don't do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Then the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land and I'll be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod east of eden take a look on the right hand side let's talk about this idea of envy we may not get violent but we still struggle with envy now an awful lot of people this is one of those sins that we can convince ourselves well i don't really have a problem with that in fact just let's just be honest how many of you feel that you know pastor ron i really don't struggle with envy all the much go ahead ahead and raise your hand yeah several of you okay let me ask you this how many of you have ever felt like how in the world did that idiot get promoted (laughs) have you ever feel that way before that's an envy issue. Any of you ever been standing on, you know, out here on the steps of church and watching cars drive by and thought, well, shoot, if I had that and they had a feather up their nose, we'd both be tickled. I mean, that's an envy issue. In other words, envy is this, is this bad feeling. But let's define it a little bit more. Number one, envy is different from jealousy. We tend to use those as interchangeable words, but they mean two completely different things. The first one, envy. Envy is when you want what someone else has, and resent them for having it. You want what someone else has, and you resent them for having it. This is the problem with envy. Envy is built on this resentment. But jealousy, this is when you're afraid you're going to lose something you've already got. You can be jealous of your wife, but you can't be jealous of someone else's car. You can be envious of someone else's car. In other words, you desire something and resent them because they have it. But envy is when you see what someone else has and want it and feel resentful that they've got it instead of you. Jealousy, on the other hand, is when you've got something and you're afraid you're going to lose it. This is one of the reasons that jealousy and envy are treated differently in the Bible. Jealousy is based on insecurity. Jealousy is based on on fear. Whereas envy is based on a feeling of unfairness. In fact, look at number two. At its root, envy is based on feeling unfairness. Feeling I am owed and I feel cheated. Owed by life. Owed by the world. And mostly owed by God. God, how could you do this for them and not for me? God, how could you bless them? Lord, I've been a lot more faithful than them. Now, I know most of you are, are, are too spiritual or pretend to be too spiritual to ever pray this way. But, you know, I'll just, there's been times I've gone to God and said, God, this isn't fair. This stinks. God, I, God, they're stupid. I mean, you know, I just didn't that, that feeling of envy. Don't get all pious with me, all right? You know, God, look at them. You know, they're just, well, I deserve this a lot more. This is the problem. Envy causes us to feel resentment towards that other person. To feel that we are somehow being cheated. God blesses someone else... And we feel that he has neglected us or cheated us in some way. The, I remember in the, the New Testament, Peter asked, you know, what exactly is going to happen to John? And Jesus replied, what, what is that to you? In other words, if God chooses to bless him, what, what is that to you? That feeling that we get of wanting what someone else has. Take a look at the next one. Number three, there are two kinds of envy, though. There's malicious envy and there's motivational envy. Malicious envy keeps me paralyzed. Malicious envy keeps me resentful. Motivational envy gives me the opportunity to get up and move. Motivational envy gives me the opportunity to make progress. Now, I'll be honest, there's a lot of sins that that I, I don't struggle with all that much. I, I don't drink, and so the, the sin of, you know, temptation to drunkenness really isn't all that big a temptation for me. But envy, man, that's something that I have to battle right along with everybody else. In fact, I, they, I had a situation come up here in the church not too long ago, the, about three or four months ago, and someone told me what they were doing, and I, I, felt, that, I felt that bad feeling. I felt, I felt envious. And I thought to myself, well, you know, this is silly, Because I knew there's two types of envy. There's motivational envy and there's malicious envy. I was feeling malicious envy. And so I thought to myself, well, why would I put up with that? I can change that to motivational envy. What had happened is a friend of mine in the church had taken up sailing. He'd taken up sailing and was going out and taking his boys out and taking his family out. And they were really enjoying it. And he told me about it. And I thought, well, shoot, how come I don't get to do that? And I thought to myself, well, if I wanted to do that, I could. And so... I called him up, and I said, hey, would you mind taking me sailing? He said, Pastor Ron, I would love to take you sailing. And so he invited me. He even invited my wife. I didn't really care if she got to go. I was the one that wanted to go sailing. <laughs> well, she, you know, she got the benefit of my ask. And so, you know, he said, well, Ron, you called an ask? He said, yeah, I invited myself. He said, yeah, I'd love to. And so we went out there, and friends, trading malicious envy for motivational envy. In other words, malicious envy is, resent, is based on resentment. Motivational envy I said, "Well, you know, if I want to do this, I could work hard and do it. I could learn this. I could." And, and I thought about it because you know, sailing is one of the few things they let colorblind people do. They won't let colorblind people fly a plane. Colorblind people are sitting there thinking, "All these red lights flashing. Well, wow, they look fine to me." In other words, we just we have trouble with that. You know, people have asked me, you know, Rod, being colorblind, how do you drive? How do you know what color the light is? I know what color the light is by the hole that it's in. Okay. And when I go to states where they turn it on its side, you should get out of my way. <laughs> no, that's true. I'm driving up. Honey, what color do you think that is? And so, you know, she'll, she'll say, well, you know, it's kind of a, honey, we should make a decision soon. All right. And so sailing, they'll let, they'll let colorblind people sail because you have other people there who can tell you, yeah, that flight's flashing this color. You should avoid it. And so those are usually not by yourself, friends. And so I thought, well, you know, I, I, could, I could learn to do this. And, and so I went out with him. And malicious envy for motivational envy. Sometimes it moves us to work hard and do something. Other times it completely clears the envy. This was one of those things that completely cleared the envy. I got out on that sailboat and saw how very much work sailing was. It cleared right up. I saw all this... Turning and switching and moving and running around. I mean, uh, myself, Ron, bombs there. And, and, I mean, we are all just working our rear ends off on this. I'm thinking I'm supposed to be relaxing here, and you know, then the boat really starts going. It kind of gets up on its side, and we are all hanging on like that. I'm thinking this guy, you know, this sailboat. Why didn't he just pop for a motor? Okay, he's sailing around with bed sheets up there. Just buy an engine, dude. And thinking, it cleared up. Friends, you can substitute motivational envy for malicious envy. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. Look at the next one with me. Number four, at its root, though, envy is a violent emotion. Envy is not a, not a sweet thing. This story is in the Bible to show us an example of literal violence. And I don't think you're going to go out and hit anybody in the head with a rock to get their sailboat or anything. I, I'm not accusing you of that. But don't kid yourself into thinking that there's not violence in us anyway. Take a look at letter A. We may not attack the body, but we still attack the person. You know, we, we say all kinds of, of things. In fact, maybe, maybe you can figure out how to do this too. Why don't you turn the person next to you and say something to them that kind of sounds nice, but is kind of resentful and cutting at the same time. Go ahead and try it out on the person next to you. Some of you are looking at me, oh, Pastor Ron, I wouldn't understand how to do that. Yeah, right. You know, the, it can be as simple as seeing something someone else has and say, oh, man, it must be nice. Just kind of, or, you know, did you see what she was wearing? Well, we'll have to pray she gets a better job. <laughs> well, what can be wrong with that? I'm saying we need to pray for them. You know, or did you make that yourself? I mean, you know, it's just, you know, some of you right now, you're working on this pious look, all right? You, you got to remember where you're at and who I am, all right? I'm not buying any of it, okay? In other words, people that feel envy say resentful things. This is the problem. This is why it's a sin, is because it tears at the relationship. For Don't get you, this isn't just people outside of your home, this is, This can be right in your own household where one child receives a blessing or an honor and the other one feels envious. Even between husbands and wives, there can develop this this competitive feeling towards your spouse. Well, man, they're really progressing in their career and, and I'm not or they're getting this and I'm not getting that. That feeling, it tears at the fabric of the relationship. The letter B, envy makes us competitors. And competitors have a hard time being brothers. Competitors have a hard time being sisters. Competitors have a hard time being husband and wife. Friends, I've always tried to keep it crystal clear here at the church that, you know, I, I deal with an awful lot of men. And, you know, it's amazing how men, after about 20 years being out of high school, how all of them were star athletes, all right? You know, the longer the time goes on, the better they get. I've always tried to make it really clear. I played lots of sports in high school, and I was equally bad at all of them, all right? I mean, I I was just bad. I I ran track and found out I was slow and couldn't jump. I mean, you know, they said, well, jump over this. I said, I I don't even think I could do that dance underneath it. I, I mean, you know, it's just... I, 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 I ran cross country. Didn't very. I played volleyball. Now baseball. I love watching baseball, but baseball's just not right. Okay, in other words, that you're standing out there, someone is throwing a rock at you, 90 miles an hour, and they're giving you this little flimsy piece of leather to take care of it. You say, well, Ron, you sound like you're scared of the ball. Of course, I'm scared of the ball. What are you, an idiot? Okay, they're throwing this rocket at you, and you're just standing there, kind of like this. You should run. That bat in your hand, you should use it on the guy throwing it at you. I mean, it's just the uh, the whole thing just made absolutely no sense to me. But I I say that because here in the congregation, I don't want to be your competitor. I want to be your brother. And it's amazing how with business and with money and with sports and with so many other things, we become competitive. Ladies, let me me pick on you for just a second here. How many of you have a relative that no matter what she does, she always fits in a size two or a size zero? (laughs) Let's just be honest. You kind of hate her, don't you? In fact, at Thanksgiving, you count how many portions she gets. <laughs> you're watching, you're thinking if I just looked at food like that, I'd blow up like a balloon. I, I mean, you know, it's just, this just isn't right. This just isn't fair. That's the basis. Unfairness. This isn't, this isn't right. That feeling leads to the resentment. The resentment tears at the relationship. Look at the last one there. Let her see. Let her see. Envy poisons all the good things we already have. My resentment towards them spills over to the people that I love. My resentment, my desire, my anger, it spills over towards every good thing in my life. Now, I'm going to give you a quiz, and the answer to every one of my questions is a color. If a person is angry, they see. If a person is a coward, they are. If a person is depressed, they feel. And if a person is struggling with envy, they are. Now, this idea of being green with envy is a very old idea. That's not of modern invention. Uh, we find it a few hundred years ago the, in Shakespeare's writing. He referred to it, the, the, someone being green with envy. The, we go back much further than that. And there was the belief that when a person felt envy, that bile was literally released in the body at causing that feeling. But envy has always been associated with being green, with feeling sickness, with something un healthy friends there's an awful lot of truth to that envy is one of those things that poisons the good things in our life take a look at letter b let's talk about the antidote for just a few minutes let's talk about what are we going to do now where it says how do we change it would you circle the word we that's important for us to realize that that christ followers oftentimes quickly say well you know we what can god do here for us or what should we be at friends wait a second God has already wrote us this story so we would understand the potential violence in it. That we would understand the idea of resentment towards someone else getting approval that we think we should have gotten. The the Bible's already given us that warning. The Bible's already taught us explicitly that it's sin. The the Bible has already let us know there are dire consequences to this. In other words, God has already made it crystal clear that this is something that does damage. Now the... opportunity and obligation, it shifts towards us this idea of what will we do. And that's what we're going to talk about. Sometimes we stand back and say, well, God, don't let me feel envious. Wait a second. That's like saying, you know, God, uh, God, don't let me steal anymore. Well, wait a second. God's answer is that sin. I already told you the consequence of you need to try not to do that. All right. Well, God, help me not to be unfaithful to my wife anymore. Well, you know, I already told you that's a sin. I already told you. Now, what does the Bible say? Flee temptation. That's what we're going to have to work on here. How will we flee from envy? I want to walk you through five steps quickly. Here's the first one. Name the feeling. Number one, name the feeling. Name the struggle. It helps to call that vague feeling what it is. I feel envious of their... Now, one of the things that confuses people is oftentimes we are envious of good things. I feel envious because he found just a wonderful woman to marry. I feel envious because, you know, he got this promotion. I feel envious because she just started that business. In other words, we feel envious. We're not talking about trivial or, or bad things or evil things. You know, we, we never stand back and say, man, I feel envious that they're a drunk. I mean, we don't, we don't feel envious of the negative. Most of the time, we feel envious of things that we want for them and want for ourselves. But we have to name the feeling. We have to to avoid hiding from that feeling. We feel cruddy towards this person and we stand back and we'll say to ourselves, well, you know, I probably shouldn't feel that way. Well, no, we probably shouldn't. It's sinful to feel that way. And we need to address it and say, call it what is. God, I have have a sinful attitude towards that person. I, I am feeling envy towards them. First step, name what it is. Second step, trade. First is name. Second, trade your malicious envy for motivational envy get up and move emotionally and physically. Make a decision that you are not going to accept malicious envy. And if you're feeling that desire, then no, 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 I'm going to use that as motivation for me to move forward. Number three, genuine love. Now, genuine love is much easier if you remember that love is an action word. In other words, you are to treat them with love. We've grown up in a culture where we've become, we've become convinced and even enamored with the idea of the feeling of love. Here, let me give you an example. The, just for those of you who are married, go ahead and just for kicks, tell me how many of you ladies love your husband? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you are still on the fence. It's all right. <laughs> but you know, you remember how he's always told you what a great athlete he was in high school? And not only tells me, he tells you. Man, he was the star of the basketball team. He just had coordination. He had grace and finesse. And I mean, he was just good. But for some reason, he just can't hit the hamper. (laughs) He can't dunk. He can't lay up. He can't skyhook. He's got nothing when it comes to hitting the hamper. And so you walk through that there and you see the clothes there. And they are all in proximity. here and here and here. You know, and you're thinking, man, he, he, he needs four other guys that he can, like, feed the past to, dunk it. I mean, but he just doesn't. And so you, you feel this feeling like, you know, I really love him, but if he walks behind my car, I'm going to run him down like the dog he is. <laughs> well, wait a second. What you did was you confused the action of love with the feeling of love. When the Bible talks about genuine love, it's an action word. For God so loved the world that he gave. Gave his only begotten son, whosoever. In other words, he, it's an action thing. Whenever we talk about love, will if I say to you, well, you know, work on loving them. You'll sit around, ooh, i got to love them, got to love them, got to love them. Ooh, they make me so mad. Ooh, got to love them, got to love them. I'm not talking about sitting around trying to feel better. I'm talking about taking the actions of love, being a blessing to them. Acting towards them in genuine love, being respectful towards them, being encouraging to them. In other words, act out love. This is what I mean by this step. We name the feeling. We make the trade. We act in genuine love. And then we celebrate for them. In other words, we should celebrate when another Christ follower is blessed. We should should say, God, thank you for blessing another one of your children. And so we practice it and we allow it to become a habit. And then finally, the last one, we celebrate with them. Here's our five steps. We're going to name the feeling. We're going to make the trade. We're going to act in genuine love. We're going to celebrate for them. We're going to celebrate with them. Put your notes aside for a minute. There's nothing more to fill in. As I said, there's a lot of sins that I don't really struggle all that much with. But man, envy, that's one that I do struggle with. And don't misunderstand, I'm not saying that, well, yours are big and mine are small. No, no, no this is the big one. Those of you who grew up Catholic, this is taught as one of the seven deadly sins. It's taught as one of the seven deadly sins because it kills relationships. It kills connection with brothers, sisters, wife. I mean, it, it, it separates people. In other words, it, it has serious consequences. You've met people who have been eaten up with envy, and, and you wonder, will they ever find happiness and contentment? Not till we deal with this sin. And so, like I said, envy is one that, man, from time to time I, I kind of struggle with. Not kind of, I, no, I struggle with. And the truth of the matter is, I, I think about the area of envy, and, and God's blessed me an awful lot. You know, the, when we came and planted the church, we had no idea God was going to do something so special here at Cornerstone. We didn't know that. The, but He's just been gracious. The financially, God's been, always been very kind to me. I was trained on how to handle finances from the time I was very young. And so when it came to budgets and income and, and work and all that and investing, the, I was, like I said, I was well-trained and God has been very faithful. And so God's been generous with me and my family. But you know, the there's an area of my life where I've struggled with envy. The... I don't want you to misunderstand. I don't, I don't envy people who have lots and lots of kids. In other words, I don't sit around thinking, oh man, no, 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 I, I read Aesop's Fable. I remember the, the fox went to the lion and looked at the cub and said, only one and she responded and said, yes, but he's a lion, and so, you know, the number of children, that, that was never the big issue, and so I'm not envious of people with lots of kids, there's one family in our congregation, she she had quadruplets, I mean, you know, whenever they come in, it's like a parade, they just keep coming, and, you know, feeding times a parade, changing times a parade, I, I mean, my wife even goes over and helps out, I mean, it's just it, it's just a big, instant family, you know, add water, and here it is, I mean, And so I don't feel envious of people with lots of kids, but I feel envious of people who have all their kids. For those of you that it may be your first time here, about five and a half years ago, my oldest son was killed. I'm not envious of people with lots of kids, but I'm envious of people who have all their kids. And... The first two or three years, I just, I just couldn't deal with the issue. The, the issue of envy was the furthest thing from my mind. know, survival was what I was looking for. Surviving the pain, the hurt. That's just, and if you've lost a loved one recently, you've lost someone close to you, please, this is not for you. As you heal, this may eventually be for you. But I reached the point where the healing was taking place, and then I recognized it in myself. Man, I, I, feel, I feel envious towards them. And so I had to start through my process. I had to start through the process of saying, no, I need to name that for the sin that it is. I feel this, and, and I, I need to acknowledge it. Then I had to say, I'm going to trade my malicious envy for motivational envy. I, I can't have my oldest son back, but I have the opportunity to make the most of my relationship with my youngest son that I still am blessed with, and with my wife and my extended family and my friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, I have the opportunity to make those relationships fruitful instead of just standing back in anger and resentment at the unfairness that my mind told me God has shown towards me. Name it. Trade it. Working towards acting in genuine love towards others who have been blessed with their family, being generous with my love towards them and and to my own family. And celebrate for them. God, thank you for the blessing you've put into their life. Lord, thank you for the time they're getting to spend with their children. Thank you for all of these things. And celebrate with them. Be a part of the party. You see, for the first few years after the loss, I couldn't go to a wedding. Because most people that are getting, wedding, getting married are somewhere in their 20s, and to go and watch another 20-something-year-old get married, it was just painful. Everything about it just exaggerated in my mind, my loss, just, just focused like a laser on my loss. I would sit there just seething through the entire ceremony. It was just hard. And so for a long time, I, I just wouldn't go at all. I wouldn't go to that. I, I, having young people on the staff was hard for me. I just I just avoided it because it just hurt too much. But then as that healing, I, no, Lord, this isn't, no, I want to name it. I, I want to trade it. I, Lord, I, I want to show genuine love. I want to celebrate for them. I want to celebrate with them. Probably about, I don't know, it's been a year and a half or so now, maybe a year ago, I got invited to uh, Anthony Crivello's wedding. It was at a Catholic church here and it was just a beautiful, beautiful little sanctuary and this wedding was so sweet and Debbie and I were walk, uh, had the pictures in, our, in her office. They had a book made out of it and man, it was just it was just gorgeous. We had a, we had a great time there. And, and then Ron Baum's youngest daughter got married. I've been teasing him all weekend. Yeah, your youngest daughter got married, and she invited me. Your oldest daughter got married, and she didn't. And, you know, and I'm a little bitter about it. But, you know, I, I'm working on envy. I am just as petty as I have ever been, okay? And so, you know, I, I went to that wedding, and, man, it was so sweet. It was just a wonderful ceremony. Jim Harris did it. Didn't do as good a job as I could have done, but he did his best such as it was but, but no it was just it was just lovely and it was just sweet and and Debbie and I enjoyed it so much at our table we we sat with people that were just wonderful people some from the staff here at the church some I, I sat at a table with Brian Bell's nephew Brian pastor's down at uh, at Calvary Murrieta just wonderful pastor and I'd never met his nephew before but I was sitting there talking to him just a great young man sweet wife and we had, a, we had a, a really nice time. You see, envy prevents you from having a nice time. Envy causes you to withdraw. Envy causes you to look at what other people have and instead of feeling a sense of happiness, feeling a sense of resentment. Friends, I, I've now, since I lost Ryan, I've been to five or six weddings and, and each and every time I've gone... There's just been a, if you're wondering, well, you know, Pastor Ron, are you angling for an invite? Absolutely. I don't know that I'll come, but you should invite me anyway. But it's like when I drive down the street and I see a lot of cars at a house and think they're having a party. I feel offended they didn't invite me, even if I don't know them. And so, you know, I I had to address this. Friends, what about you? Are you looking at your husband and feeling envious that he's leaving the house and you've chosen to stay with the, the little ones at home? Men, are are you feeling envious because, you know, she has this schedule and yours is different? Are you looking at a brother or sister in Christ and saying, God, you know, has really blessed them and yet I'm struggling? Are you looking at the money other people have? Are you looking at the stuff other people have? Have you fallen into this trap? You know, it's amazing how, how difficult it is to see it in us. What I want us to do is I want us to Pray. I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and just gently, so much more than I can do, just gently put his finger on maybe an area of your heart like he's done with me. Please, understand I am the most guilty of anyone here, but I suspect you probably have an area of your life where you may be battling it too. Bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that we would take to heart what happened in this story. Lord Jesus, he killed his brother. He murdered him. He killed him because he was angry and resentful at a blessing his brother received. Lord Jesus, I don't suspect anyone here of any violence, but maybe not physically. But Lord, how many times have we been violent by speaking unkindly of someone just because we feel resentful and envious of them? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would not only forgive us, but you would help us to flee the temptation in this way, to name the feeling, to make the trade, to show genuine love, to celebrate for them. And Lord Jesus, give us the strength and the courage that is required to celebrate with them until the feelings of joy return. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in my heart, and I pray that you would do it in the heart of each one here, that, Lord, we could be genuine brothers and sisters in Christ and not competitors with one another. Lord, we love you and thank you for your goodness towards us. We ask all in your name. Amen.